Welcome to the Enduro Sport Podcast, where we have outdoor enthusiasts come to tell their story. Whether chasing a professional career or pursuing as a hobby, our mission is to bridge the gap between communities from all over the world and ultimately bring all outdoor enthusiasts together as one. We are Enduro Sport. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning into the Enduro Sport Podcast. Brought to you by yours truly, Lost Trip, founder of Enduro Sport and creator of the show. My goal is to bring world-class professionals on the show for you all to get to know their stories, routines, and the habits they have formed to perform at their very best. On this new episode, I have two special guests on the Enduro Sport podcast today, Austin Paulson, who is one of the head guys of operations here at Enduro Sport, with a strong background in fitness and nutrition and has changed people's lives all over the country with their overall health and well-being. Then we have Cliff Wilson, who has built a huge reputation for himself in the fitness and natural bodybuilding industry. He is a professional natural bodybuilder and one of the top physique coaches in the industry. He founded Team Wilson in 2010 using a combination of scientifically proven methods and experience-driven techniques. As of 2019, the team has amassed over 115 pro cards, 85 pro titles, and 13 world championships. Cliff is also the published author of the book, Bodybuilding. The Complete Contest Preparation Handbook, and have numerous articles online and in print. He co-owns the Physique Summit, where he speaks annually. He has also spoken in Singapore, the UK, Greece, and across the US. I'm excited to introduce you guys to Austin Paulson and Cliff Wilson. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Cliff. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, and uh, I want to introduce you guys also to our other co-founder, Austin Paulson. He's on the podcast, too. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, so let's uh, kick this off to you. And uh, Cliff, just give a little bit of insight about um, who you are. Uh, I know some people that could be listening uh, know, but the people in other diverse uh, sports and arenas might not know. So just kind of just shed some light on that a little bit. Yeah, um, so I I would say the thing I'm uh, best known for is coaching bodybuilders. And not just bodybuilders, but physique athletes in general, which would include like bikini competitors, figure competitors, men's physique. Um, yeah, I, I've been doing this full time now for about uh, seven years. And uh, time really flies. It's funny because when I got into this, people used to call me that, you know, the new kid that was coaching. And now every email begins with sir. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, but no, I, uh, you know, when I first started into this, I didn't know it could become a job. I just started doing it part-time. Um, and uh, when my first couple clients hit the stage, uh, they did well. My first, t- my first client hit the stage in 2009. So it's been 10 years since I did this, but it was just part-time at first. And um, he actually went one Mr. Natural Illinois right out of the gate. And I was doing things quite a bit differently than other people at the time. And I still kind of do things quite a bit differently than a lot of other bodybuilding coaches. Um, and as I had one client do well and another client, um, things just really took off. Um, and, uh, here I sit today, um, having coached uh, quite a few athletes that have turned pro and have coached some natural bodybuilding, um, world champions over the last, uh, over the last 10 years now. And it's been, I've been pretty fortunate. Wow. Yeah. Long track record. Yeah, no. And I, um, being privileged enough to, to be um, mentored by you, Cliff, now. And for those of you guys listening, um, that's how I kind of chose my path down the, the realm of, of health and fitness is this guy right here. Uh, huge impact and very, very smart dude. And um, I guess, Cliff, kind of going to that, with your backstory and everything, I think a lot of the listeners are going to be in that outdoor um, realm. Um, obviously, your audience is probably going to listen to it too, though, obviously. So, um, you know, I know that there's a lot of different things going on even when we're talking before we jumped on the podcast um, about nutrition and maybe even supplementation or training um, in the the outdoor space that is incorrect or maybe not suitable for their needs and um, I want to ask you like the carryover of all the knowledge you've gained from coaching so many people at a high level and maybe how um, it carries over into different arenas I guess you'd say. Yeah, I, I think one thing that, you know, even before we started recording here, you know, uh, Laj and I were having a discussion about how, um, in general, I'm always surprised in bodybuilding and when I hear things that are going on in other sports, um, oftentimes at the lack of awareness of how the body works. Um, 
you know, sometimes I, I, Austin, you know, well, you, you know this well from our discussions, but I'm always open to new ideas and new methods and trying new things. Mm-hmm. But um, oftentimes, uh, sometimes I hear people using methods that seem totally counterproductive to how the human body works. Um, and, you know, I, I have been fortunate to, um, you know, know quite a few of the top researchers um, within like training and nutrition, specifically for muscle growth and fat loss and performance. And uh, sometimes what I hear um, their stories about what some of the uh, nutritionists are doing, even for like professional sports teams. Um, I, I often hear that they're, they're doing things like having clients on ketogenic diets where they um, it's primarily based off of endurance. Uh, and I'm like, this is, this is a disaster. Why, you know, why would you ever do something like that? Um, and so I'm always kind of shocked at that. I, I guess I'm, I'm really also shocked at the, um, and this this one really gets under my skin. The one size fits all approach to coaching, mm-hmm. um, because uh, you know I, I actually just had an Instagram debate yesterday where you know all the best debates come from you guys. And I don't know if you know that is <laughs> <Instagram laughs> where the highest quality debate comes. But I had an Instagram debate the other day, and I was saying like um, I would say at least half of the time that I coach uh, physique athletes. Um, my recommendations probably fall out of what the current accepted guidelines are according to research um, because there's so much individuality and it, was, it ended up being a pretty good discussion. And I had some, actually I had some physicians follow up with me after viewing the debate, um, follow up with me and say that, you know, there's so much individuality even when it comes to prescribing medications that they'll describe, um, prescribe different um, medications whether or not someone's white or black, and even if they're black, depending on how closely, um, how far removed they are from their African heritage, that medication is also going to change. The recommendations are going to change. And so, um, of course, we do the same thing with our training and our diet, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. It brings me, actually makes me think of uh, that debate I saw the other day on, what was it called? The Game Changer or something like that? That vegan diet or something like that? What's your, so I bet you a lot of people have watched that now because it's on Netflix. What's, uh, give us a little recap of um, your thoughts on that uh, for, for performance athletes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm going to say um, the Game Changers is best viewed through the lens of entertainment. Yeah. Or, I mean, honestly, honestly, what I, I, I would almost view it as is propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I view it as propaganda. Um, you know, I think it's always good to look at ulterior motives when you see something like that. Um, that was produced by James Cameron, and he has a lot of vested interest in a pea protein company. Um, and so I think, like, he has over, like, $100 million invested in a pea protein company. Um, so uh, when you're looking at, like, and, and I'm going to say this as someone who has coached, I have, um, I coach, uh, some people may know Tory Washington. He's an IFBB pro uh, men's physique athlete. Uh, he's also been vegan for 20 years and then he's been vegetarian, I believe for like 20 years before that. He's never, he's pretty much never had meat in his life. Um, and my girlfriend is also vegetarian. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm friends with the vegans and vegetarians. When I say this, um, I would say that, you know, when I prescribe, when people come to me and they say they want to follow a vegan or vegetarian diet, I say, Okay, that's good. If you're doing this for um, health or ethics purposes, um, that's great. You know, let's you know, let, you don't like harming animals. Let's let's do what we can and make the best diet that we can. But I don't think that there's going to be any performance benefit. The um, research has kind of shown that yeah, um, processed meats aren't all that great for you, but unprocessed meats probably aren't bad for you. Um, and so, uh, you know, oftentimes I think that um, the biggest issue is a lot of times these are correlation type studies, meaning that um, someone who's eating a vegan or a vegetarian diet is, um, of course, going to be more health conscious than someone who, uh, if you pluck them off the street and they're not vegan or vegetarian. So I think that's where sometimes the results of these studies can be skewed in people's favor. But um, in general, vegan and vegetarian diets for performance um, while they're great on one end, you, you get a lot of fruits and a lot of vegetables, which of course are going to drive performance. But on the other end, it's really easy to come up deficient in some nutrients like B vitamins and choline. And so um, in general, I, 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 Charles Polquin, uh, I may disagree with him a, a lot, the late Charles Polquin, 
who um, trained a lot of Olympic athletes, he had a great quote where he said, the best diet is eating like a vegetarian who also eats meat. Um, and I just think that is a great, if you want to eat for performance, eat like a vegetarian who also eats meat. Yeah. So do you think, uh, um, kind of touch into even endurance uh, a little bit more to you is that, uh, do you think there's, there's not a one shoe that fits all. So do you think, what do you think that you've seen uh, just of like, just around you with the researchers or whatever? Cause I know that you're kind of like, you know, kind of going into other worlds a little bit, kind of putting your foot in, you know, other realms just because you have that knowledge and what we were talking about before uh, we started the podcast of just saying that like, you know, there's not enough people that, you know, know their stuff uh, within the sports world. And this is not even just outdoor uh, extreme sports. This is even within the mainstream sports. But like, what would you say would be like the diet of choice that you would say that is kind of like the one that you see it's like average amongst, uh, you know, athletes? Um, you mean the one that you, I see being misused the most or the one that? Yeah, well, on both sides, the one that's misused on top of the one that you see being like a, a common trend or something that seems to help a lot of athletes, which I know that just depends on your body. So that's kind of like a, you know, a broad thing. Yeah. You say that there's a one diet, you know, that's that this works, but what do you think is the misused uh, diet or like the one fat or something that's being a trend right now? I, I mean, I still see, um, well, right now, of course, plant-based diets, you know, I, I think the biggest understanding is coming to that no diet is going to be magic. Um, yeah. I think that there's this really um, binary way of viewing diets in general that people have where it's this diet is good, this diet is bad. Um, when in real reality, it's real, it, it's really a, a multifaceted scale. But um, I guess I would say um, ketogenic dieting happens to be one that is always floating around. I, wouldn't you guys agree? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, especially my own parents. I mean, I, my, even touching on that real quick, it, my parents are just like, oh, yeah, we're going to go on this keto. It's going to be so great. We're going to do it for the rest of our lives. And then they buy all this keto stuff. And then my mom is just like, and it's like a full-time job, just even, you know, meal prepping on, on keto. <laughs> So, and on top of all the money you spend, and then, then they have keto supplements that are designed just for keto and you have all this marketing behind it. And next thing you know, my dad's like, geez, I, I feel like I've lost a lot of strength. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> like, I just, I've lost even muscle mass just from, and he's not even into the whole bodybuilding thing, but it's like, they still, people still care, obviously of like when they lose their strength and he's doing a lot of like high and, you know, going up into the mountains and being gone for 14 days, sheep hunting. And he needs his, you know, strength and endurance. And he's like, dude, I'm just gassed, man. Like this keto stuff, I, he, he dropped it after like, uh, I think it was about three months. Yeah. By the way, your comment is so spot on. Why is it that every, all of the most educated and knowledgeable people I know when it comes to diet, their moms never listen to them. <laughs> like, what, what is with that? My, I, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> my mom is the same way. My mom's like, when it's time to lose weight, my mom's like, I'm just not going to eat. You know what I mean? Or she'll just be like, it's just the cabbage soup diet. You know, I'm like, you know, my mom's never want to listen. But, <laughs> um, but no, so I think it's uh, uh, the ketogenic dieting is one that continually comes around. So I'm going to, I'm going to deal with like the pros of ketogenic dieting, where I think the thing that draws people in first off, um, you are uh, going to drop a lot of weight very quickly with a keto diet. Um, because a lot of that is water weight. Um, for those, I, you know, I, I'm not quite sure um, how uh, how much your your general audience might know, but um, with with carbohydrates, you consume carbohydrates. They get stored um, usually in your muscle tissue and or your liver, and they get stored with water. So um, so when you eat carbohydrates. Um, yeah, they get, they can get stored like fats, but they store with water. So, um, if you have 500 grams of carbohydrates today, um, or 500 grams of fat, you will wake up tomorrow heavier from those 500 grams of carbohydrates, um, because those carbohydrates will store with water. However, fat has more calories. So you may actually add more body fat with the 500 grams of fat. Um, but the scale won't reflect that properly because of the water weight. So when people go on a ketogenic diet, they drop all their carbohydrates. Um, they drop a lot of weight very quickly, lose a lot of water weight. Um, so uh, what I will say, though, is that um, for physique purposes, this can make you look really good really quickly. Um, I do use ketogenic diets from time to time because they do have one advantage. Um, research has actually shown that when someone switches to a keto diet, um, 
and they do it properly. I'm going to say a lot of people do it improperly. But when you do it properly, um, your metabolic rate will increase. Um, it will increase by a few hundred calories, but this is very temporary. Um, your metabolic rate will increase by a few hundred calories um, per day for only about four to five weeks. And then the body adjusts and things go back to baseline. So sometimes I'll use keto, keto diets um, at the end of someone's contest prep for a bodybuilding show if they've really hit a plateau and I'm like, we really need to finish this out. Um, so I'll, I'll use it for fat loss purposes. But once again, that's not to say it's better for fat loss purposes. It's better for fat loss purposes for about four or five weeks. And then that, that comes back to baseline. Um, but for performance, it's actually worse. There is some limited research that actually shows that um, it can inhibit muscle growth over the course of time because uh, our muscles primarily function off of uh, you know ATP and glucose, especially for muscle you know, performance purposes. We perform a lot off of glucose. So when I hear um, athletes removing carbohydrates from their diet, that's just, that's just nonsense. Um, because, you know, of course we can adapt to using fats, but it's a, it's a lesser fuel for our bodies. Um, so the, the keto diet being used for, for performance is one of the, the crazier things that I still hear hanging around. Um, yeah. Now, I guess I would say the thing, the diets that I tend to like are really boring. They're balanced. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that shit. Not at all. You know, I would say that I tend to go higher. I recommend higher protein than um, I think some would probably right. recommend. Um, the reason I recommend higher protein is. Uh, um, so I, I, in particular, I recommend higher protein during muscle building phases because higher protein is more difficult to be stored as body fat. Because in order to convert to body fat, protein has to be converted to carbohydrates and then it can be stored in muscle tissue and then, then it must be converted to fat to actually be stored. So it's a very inefficient process. So your body doesn't typically like to store protein as body fat. But um, I'd say a high protein intake, a high carbohydrate intake, and then a moderate fat intake. Now that's just a very generalized, obviously, uh, approach. Um, there's even like, um, uh, ethnic differences. Um, typically you're going to find that, um, black athletes, one, their metabolic rates are a little bit lower. Um, metabolic rates being a little bit lower for black athletes isn't often talked about, but, um, you know, when you think about it, it makes totally sense from an total sense from an evolutionary standpoint. Uh, a lot of black athletes, their ancestors, uh, resided in Africa which had a lot, it, a lot of parts of Africa have had a lot less food for a lot longer period of time. And so those ancestral lines that could survive off of less food did. Um, and so another issue is um, a lot of uh, black um, athletes will thrive also on a little bit lower carb, a little bit higher fat than most white athletes. Um, that shows also pretty clearly in like rates of diabetes among African-Americans and black athlete, uh, black, uh, the black population in general. Um, so insulin sensitivity is also an issue. So I would say there's a little bit of leeway there with individuality, of course. Yeah, well, that's another thing too, like knowing differences of ethnic groups. I mean, that, that's like where a diet might, like somebody who's like African-American could go on a plant-based or something like, it could be, it could work for them just based off of genetics or it, it could be just different with everybody. And that's one thing is what you just said is one shoe does not fit all. And it's different for everybody. It's just the thing is, is like, you don't know how their bodies work. And one might seem like it's working great. It's like the game changers being like a one-sided thing saying like, Hey, you know, this is, this is the way, and this is the only way. And that doesn't work that way because other people might, might have negative effects and, and not the benefits that they actually wanted out of it. And so that's the part where, I mean, you hit it right on the dot on that one. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're, and we're talking about performance here, but that even applies to health. Um, so like, uh, I, I can just give one example, like you said, uh, like some people will switch to a plant-based diet and they might feel great. Let's say, let's say vegetarian, because vegetarian is easier to maintain health than vegan, um, because you can have things like eggs and cheese and whatnot. Um, but let's say someone switches to vegetarian diet and they feel better and their health markers improve because they're eating a lot more vegetables, a lot more fruits. Um, you know, and so it, it's 
you know, they feel better, their blood work improves. But um, meanwhile, like I have a client who I've had a couple of clients who have had colitis, which is a digestive disorder. Um, and oftentimes um, they don't do well with um, uh, high fiber foods. They need foods that are sort of like called low residue foods. So if I were to switch them to a, an entirely plant-based diet and stuck more with like high fiber vegetables, they're going to have terrible issues with like diarrhea. They're going to be feeling terrible. They're going to probably become malnourished because they're not absorbing all their nutrients. So once again, even health is a very individual thing. Yeah. And you know, Austin and I were talking about, uh, um, this was like one of the questions that, you know, I think that endurance athletes are listening, um, about peak week. I mean, I know there's peak weeks with that. but you know talk about a little bit in depth of utilizing a peak week and what your take is on a peak week within the endurance athlete space yeah so um one thing that i would say i've always found interesting um with so i'll say with bodybuilding peaking versus endurance athlete peaking um they're not entirely dissimilar um with bodybuilding peak weeks obviously you're going with the look over the performance but i also um so I also peak power lifters, um, which is like, and which is complete opposite actually of endurance, which is kind of funny, but, um, <laughs> you know, they, they need to perform for about all five seconds. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, so, um, you obviously with both bodybuilders and endurance athletes, the goal is to maximize glycogen storage. Um, so I think with endurance athletes, you have the, um, you have the luxury of not having to be so precise. Um, Can you explain what glycogen storage means for people maybe that don't know what that means? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so when you consume carbohydrates, um, they, you, you consume them and then your body stores them within inside the muscle tissue to be used as energy. Um, so when, whenever we exercise, our body uses this glycogen. They, they store carbohydrates as glycogen within our muscle tissue. So our body converts carbohydrates into glycogen, which is just stored carbohydrates. Um, so when you store the carbohydrates in the muscle tissue as glycogen, um, they stay there until they get used as energy. And um, for both bodybuilders and endurance athletes, it's important to have um, glycogen stored within your muscle tissue. It's important for bodybuilders because it makes their muscles fuller and rounder and bigger. Um, and I, I've run some tests on some of my clients. You can increase like arm and leg circumference by about, you know, 9%, um, which is significant from a visual aspect. Um, and then from an endurance athlete, you obviously want to have glycogen levels fully topped off um, because obviously a deficiency in energy is not going to be, um, not going to be a good thing. So um, I guess the, the interesting thing with though, so with bodybuilders, you don't want to eat too many carbohydrates because once you um, you almost need to feel like, look at like glycogen levels, like how much your body can store, how much your muscle tissues can hold kind of almost like a, a gas tank. Um, and once, uh, once it's filled, um, and you keep eating, uh, you keep consuming too many carbohydrates, that excess will spill over into some of the, um, uh, areas beneath the skin and it will kind of blur their definition in bodybuilding terms. They call that spilling over. Um, now I will also say from an endurance athlete perspective, um, I think that it's also going to be an issue where I think that you could probably want to spill a little bit as it is anyway, just to have a little bit of extra glucose available. But I don't know, have you guys ever intentionally spilled yourself or had like a too many carbohydrates and you'll notice you feel sluggish the next day? Yeah, yeah. no, no. He trained me, put me on a diet plan, and um, I'm I'm pushing. I mean, I was pushing almost like I don't even know how many. I had lost push like a thousand grams of carbs, Cliff. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's one thing is I, you know, I know that you know you say one diet doesn't fit all, and that's one thing is for me. I started getting more into intermittent fasting only because I just I had more energy doing it that way. And I know that it's just different for everybody. But for me, it's like, I'm, I'm used to like bass fishing all the time and being uh, hunting and not eating a lot, but then eating like, you know, thousands of calories towards the end of the day. And that's just what I was, you know, built around. But then when I got on a diet plan where I was eating 
uh, you know, a lot of meals a day and, and really getting a lot of protein and carbs in, um, I, I saw myself growing, but I just felt so sluggish. So then when I was like in other activities, I just was like, geez, I don't know where, where my energy's at because I'm just like, you know, this is not helping me. I mean, yeah, I'm looking good. I'm looking full, you know, yeah, it's, it's great for muscle building. I'm just like, geez, this is not, it's not great. If I don't have the, if I, if I don't have the endurance to go with it and the stamina, it just doesn't matter to me as much. That's, that's kind of where I kind of hit that, that place in, in my own, uh, you know, fitness life. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're totally right. And so when it comes to peaking endurance athletes, there's going to be some individuality just like with bodybuilders. So, um, with bodybuilders, for example, there are differences in how people look. And, you know, Austin and I have gone over this, over this quite quite a bit. Um, there's differences in how people look in the way you load the carbohydrates. Um, and so, like, primarily working with bodybuilders, I'm focused on the look. Honestly, if they're a little sluggish come show day, I don't really mind. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. It's like, do you look your best, though? But there can be different looks in terms of do I try to – have them eat all of those carbohydrates the day before the show? Do I try to um, load them up on carbohydrates subtly over the course of a seven day period? Um, do I, you know, load it up and then sort of back off with food a little bit? So there's going to be differences in how they look, but just based on, you know, what I have experienced myself, because I also compete myself, if anybody's, you know, uh, wondering how, you know, why in the hell I say this from firsthand experience but I compete myself but I compete myself and I also um you know uh, I also get feedback from all the people I work with so I think there's also going to be a lot of individuality for endurance athletes in terms of how they feel um because like you said you feel better on intermittent fasting I have a lot of few clients that tell me that when they eat fewer meals they also feel more energetic and they feel less hunger so I think when it comes to loading you're also going to have to toe that line of how do I make sure someone is full of glycogen but not sluggish because also you don't want to load a bunch of food up the day before. Um, like, you know, there's that old, you know, uh, that old cliche of like, uh, endurance athletes just like pounding pasta the day before. Pasta the night, before yeah. <laughs> what, what was that? So yeah, the pasta, the pasta night, the team, the team pasta night. Right yeah. Team pasta. We used to do that in basketball too. Like I played basketball in high school and college and they would always have the team like, yeah, just like, carving up on all this heavy pasta the night before our games and i'm like um some of that may not even be digested by the time the event comes around <laughs> you know what i mean like it probably like for a lot of people you're probably going to have the greatest benefit having their biggest load day two days before the event to allow proper digestion of carbohydrates proper assimilation and then also um without getting too crude elimination <laughs> of waste yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, and then more of a, um, not a low day, but more of a moderate uh, consumption day the day before the event. So that way you're fully topped off, but you're not being bogged down by um, digestive processes. Um, mm -hmm. Because also another factor is that, um, you know, the, the body oftentimes has to split blood between um, the sympathetic nervous system for uh, muscles and the parasympathetic nervous system for digestion. So you don't want a lot of digestion going on while you're trying to, you know, train or perform. Yeah. And what's your, so going to this a little further, cause I know you have, you know, you're known for peaking in the bodybuilding space and you understand the physiology and, and the science behind all of it. But in the endurance space, you know, in college, we learned a little bit in CSCS um, about essentially kind of a similar approach, uh, in the endurance space uh, that I see that you kind of do in the bodybuilding space, which is more of like um, a lower carbohydrate week or a depletion week is what they call it, I guess, in a, in a bodybuilding space, but somewhere where we're depleting glycogen stores prior to a week out, maybe, you know, seven days out and then doing a load going into it. I know you have different methods. You, have, you even have a book for people who are listening. You want to check out different methods of, uh, of peaking, um, either backloading like you just were talking about or, or more front loading or kind of gradually going up in carbohydrates throughout the week. But what is your stance? Like, do you think um, there's any benefit for the endurance space to deplete maybe a couple weeks out by just subtly reducing um, their carbohydrate intake and then trying to gradually load the week of um, to potentially super compensate uh, or, or, or have maybe the highest amount of glycogen storage possible? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely think that would be a, a, a good route. And it's something, you know, I do with a lot of my bodybuilders. So, you know, for those that are listening, you, you'd want to deplete your carbohydrates. Uh, most of the things, most, um, there's a lot of corrective mechanisms within the human body. Um, which are for survival purposes. So when you deplete carbohydrates, um, your body creates more storage space uh, within muscle tissue to store glycogen. Um, so it, it can be somewhere around 10 to 20% um, additional storage space. So you deplete carbohydrates in order to create more space to store. Um, so I do think that would be really beneficial. Now, one thing I um, advise uh, a lot of bodybuilders with, and I would say the same thing to endurance athletes is the more variables you change, mm -hmm. um, the more likely you can screw something up. Mm -hmm. Um, so like if you are unsure of what you're doing or you haven't practiced something before, um, the more risky it gets to start changing things. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to put that disclaimer on there. And you're referring to like going into either space bodybuilding or um, endurance space with, I'm assuming, water intake, uh, electrolyte, like sodium and potassium, all that kind of stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the more times you change things, you know, think of it like a golf swing, you know, with like golfing, the, the, you know, they, they always want you to have like a very efficient swing without a lot of unnecessary movement. Um, and the reason is because like the more, more things that are moving, um, the more something could go wrong. <laughs> and so um, I would say the more knowledgeable someone becomes about peaking for events, the more you can change um, variables. So, but yes, uh, I think that it can be very beneficial if you know what you're doing to run through a deplete phase and then load up. Now for the endurance space, what I would say is a risk of depletion is tiring yourself out. Mm -hmm. um, because like for with bodybuilders, the, the risk of depleting is becoming a little too flat and too stringy and not being able to load back up in time mm -hmm. or misjudging the load with endurance athletes. I think one of the risks is, risks is that you are feeling pretty good. You deplete too hard and then you feel kind of run down. I don't, I don't know if either of you two have ever run through like a depletion. Um, well, Austin, I know you have, um, <laughs> you know, I have, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, I, you know, sometimes you can feel pretty drained and honestly, sometimes coming back from a depletion, if it's really difficult, it can, it can take you a few days to feel normal-ish again. Um, and so if someone depleted too hard for an endurance, um, an, an endurance event, that could be a problem. So once again, I would say, well, like all peaking, I would practice, practice, practice before you give it a go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and uh, kind of even switching gears from the diet to the supplements. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, the point of EnduroSport uh, is to provide quality to, you know, the endurance athletes out there and uh, and to be able to change the game. Because I know that within the supplement industry, it's uh, – I'm sure you have your own take on this, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what that is. But um, what's your what's your concerns for the supplement industry, and what do you have to say about it? You know, there's lots of – skepticism. I mean, I've talked to a lot of athletes that are in playing MLB or they're in NBA, NFL, or guys that are in the extreme sports that just don't even like taking supplements anymore just because they don't know what they're getting. And so um, kind of go into that of your take within your realm and then on top of it of uh, what you see it going towards. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess when it comes to supplements is uh, um, I, I, first off, I'm a big supplement user myself. I use quite a few supplements. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the biggest problems with the supplement industry in general, or a couple of the bigger problems has been, um, you know, and Austin, I know we've had discussions with the, about this too, because, you know, you're passionate about supplements like I am too. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of people either get into, get themselves into two categories is they're like supplements. Um, some people are like supplements don't work. And other people are like, I took this one supplement and my world changed. <laughs> and I'm like, I think it's, um, you know, you're, a supplement, supplements can be extremely useful. But um, I think one of the biggest issues that I see is like over-reliance on them. Um, you know, like people taking a supplement and thinking it's going to make up for a poor diet or poor training. Um, when in reality, you know, it's like you take, you, you know, your diet and training should be on point And then the supplement is used to um, take you just a little bit further. And so, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that supplements can be very useful. I think the important part is to not just use them, not use them as a crutch. 
Um, yeah, well, and on top of it, it's it's kind of like I, I say it about like multivitamins. It's, it, it comes down to like if you take a multivitamin one or two times a week and then you wait two weeks to take the multivitamin again, it's like, okay, well, you're not going to get the, you know, it's, it's a matter of taking a long duration of time. That's right. I tell guys that, you know, are taking the Endurosport supplement. I even say this, I'm like, hey, you know, honestly, there's long-term benefits with taking it for long-term, but if you feel like it's going to give you like, like, you know, it's going to drink a Red Bull and it's going to give you wings or something. It's just it's like, it's not going to happen. I mean, really, it's, it's just it, like you have to like with multi, I say, I always make the whole point with multivitamins. Cause it's like, I knew this where, you know, I did blood test afterwards and my blood test was exactly like I did a blood panel and everything was on point, but that's also because I was taking all these multivitamins for a long duration of time to where I was like, okay, well, that might be that, that could be the, the possibility, but probably wouldn't work that way. If uh, I only did it, you know, once every two weeks and thought that I was still getting enough that I needed. Yeah, yeah. And, and I also think that another thing that's um, a, a misunderstanding with supplements is like, um, the, I'm going to put in quotation to the word feel. Um, because oftentimes, I think people, um, I, I mean, let's just be real that like, I think a lot of times people, um, this is what the pre workout market thrives off of and you're talking to a guy who loves his pre-workout don't get me wrong um but like i think sometimes people take multivitamins and they want to almost like feel the effects you know what i mean like or they take creatine which creatine is like the most researched and proven supplement on the market but they take it and they want to feel it like caffeine <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah. um like with a lot of these with a lot of the most effective supplements they're very subtle and so you've got to take them and, you know, um, look for those subtle benefits over the course of time. Um, not like you're going to like take your creatine and, and then feel like you drink a large cappuccino or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's, um, that's, that's another, uh, and, yeah. and, you know, and, you know that, that's where I think that the consumers need to like realize what supplements are. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think that's the biggest thing too is, you know, cause I, I, I talked to, and you brought it up too with multivitamins. Um, I hear this a lot from my younger clients. Like I'm going to say like early twenties where they'll say something like, I'll say like, how many, how many grams of uh, carbohydrates come from vegetables for you on a daily basis? Like I want to know if they're eating enough vegetables and they'll say things like, well, not much, but I take a multivitamin every day. And I'm like, well, still get your vegetables. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's what I mean by using it as a crutch. Mm -hmm. um, well, what do you think, Cliff? <clears throat> um, you know, more in the endurance or even mainstream sports space, um, instead of like the high, I mean, uh, caffeine is still a really good benefit, but they have limitations, especially with the, the mainstream sports of having to be, you know, NSF approved, certified by sport. Um, and they have different parameters of uh, nootropic regulation kind of stuff. And there's just parameters on those athletes um, and the WADA, uh, you know, banned substance lists and all that kind of stuff. What do you think to maybe enhance an athlete in outdoors or mainstream um, space? <clears throat> what kind of supplements would it be a added benefit to them? Um, more so if, if you're into vasodilators or more of something to do with ATP replenishment or, or I don't really know, but what's your stance or what would help them out? Well, um, you know, if we're going to just start off with um, the basics, like you said, I do think a multivitamin is a really good one. Um, I think even things like, uh, now if you don't like, like salmon, I think fish oil can help. Um, but once again, I think fish oil needs to be like a really high quality fish oil. Um, and then I'm also going to look at like creatine. Um, I know that creatine is not specifically for endurance space, but if you're going to be training, because for those that know, creatine tends to work more on explosive training um but having more muscle mass is going to be effective for most sports i think we'd all agree with that so if you're taking creatine with your daily training it will help you build and retain more muscle mass which of course will carry over to help with most endurance sports i, I you know i would say um not so much like marathoning and things like that <laughs> um but then like you said when you get into like um a lot of uh like blood flow, uh, increasing blood flow, vasodilation, and also um, I would say hydration. Muscular hydration is another interesting um, area where I think that a lot of times is missed. So supplements that focus on that area are in 
definitely going to be um, very useful um, because I think it's it's an area that's often missed because in terms of even at, I would look at like nutrient partitioning in terms of um, are we delivering nutrients quickly to the working muscle tissue? Are waste products being um, removed from the working muscle quickly? Um, and so I think a lot of supplements that increase blood flow and cellular hydration can be very useful. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly what we were um, kind of putting our, our pre-action supplement that's going to be launched here within the next month uh, is exactly that. Cause I feel like a lot of times, you know, like you said, creatine is awesome. Most researched um, has its benefits. And like you said, that carryover effect, but I think that in that endurance space, the replenishment of, <clears throat> you know, electrolytes or just the vasodilation uh, to increase the, the blood flow to the working muscles. Um, we have some cool stuff. Um, what you talked about hydration being such a key with um, Hydromax. Um, it's like a glycerol powder, uh, but more potent. So I couldn't agree more uh, with that. And I think that um, when athletes start looking at that, and I was going to ask you earlier about, you know, nutrition and how to do that as well. But um, with the supplementation, definitely I think that hydration for, for a longer duration of act activity is probably, probably key. Um, and so, uh, Laj, what else with, um, with supplements? You got any questions for Cliff? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it kind of, uh, I mean, it kind of comes down to where some of these endurance athletes think that, you know, well, I don't like taking supplements because, you know, I don't know what I'm getting. And this has been a big problem so far. This is kind of like where, you know, I want to get your take on it just because it was, you know, I, I'm looking around, I'm researching, I have researched till 2 a.m. this morning and I'm texting Austin at like, you know, midnight, just like, hey, what about this? Like, are you hear about this? Whatever. And, um, you know, I'm doing side-by-side -side comparisons within our product to other competitors. And these competitors could be in the fitness space, but some of them are in the, you know, the sports supplement side. And, I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, these, I don't know how they're getting away with this. Like, I mean, I look at one that, you know, I'm not going to name names, but uh, you know, they're ran by a professional athlete and a couple other people and they just launched, you know, not like just about a year ago. And you look at the product and it, they're charging like 80 bucks for this. And I'm like, looking at it, I'm like, they do not have that much in this. And I don't know what, if it's about margins and just, just because somebody's a professional athlete, you like, it, like this is only going to, you know, ruin a reputation here within the athlete, just because it's like, it, like people can catch on to this and I know some people will, will buy it but the only problem is is that you know these at these extreme athletes out there that are you know in that side and the mainstream they're going to take it and then they're going to be like it takes those one or two times where they they you know they're like okay I just totally gave up hope with the supplement industry I'm not gonna take any supplements because I don't know where it's came from and then if it is NSF approved you know that that's cool I mean NSF certified is awesome but it doesn't take away the fact that you know, they only put three ingredients in there and they're charging 80 bucks just because there's a professional athlete that's, or some figure or their marketing plan is really good. And they say, Hey, I'm an athlete myself. You should take this because you're, you're in our sport and we're trying to get back. And that's, that's just bogus. Yeah. I, I'm going to, yeah. And I think that's where the supplement skepticism comes from too. Is like people have been duped one too many times, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> like, like, uh, gosh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my tongue because it's really hard not to start naming <laughs> but, but um but it's like um you know i i think like i remember when i was a brand new brand you know, i was a newbie to the gym like 15 years ago and i remember like uh buying some supplements when i look back on them and i'm like man i wasted so much money on some of these stuff <laughs> right and it's like and, and it, it's usually the like you know the bigger name brands I'll just be honest so like I go to the Arnold Classic every year and I you know the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic is like this big expo within the bodybuilding community and supplement companies set up like these giant booths and I've worked at the at some you know because I've been sponsored by um, a couple different two uh, two different supplement companies over the years and they're 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 you know companies that um, I believed in their products but like when I walk through the expo the companies that I, uh, that often have like the biggest following and the biggest booths and the, you know, the most hype, I'm like, these are the worst products here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like these are, um, some of these are just the worst products because they, um, they spend more money on their marketing than they do on their products. Exactly. Uh, and I'm just like, well, you know, it, it's, and it's a shame because then, you know, of course people, people end up, um, 
uh, falling for it. And then, you know, they start to realize they're not, it's not really helping them that much. And then they get kind of jaded on supplements, but um, it's kind of strange to me that it works that way because, you know, I think a lot of us, when we first went in the gym, we probably weren't doing everything correctly when we first stepped in the gym. We probably had some pretty crappy training programs. Um, like I, I, I remember I was like 18 years old and I was the arms and bench press every day guy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't stop and go, you know what? Training doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was like, no, let me see how I can make this more effective. So I, it's weird. A lot of people have that connection when it comes to like training and diet, they know that they're missing something, but when it comes to supplements, then they're just like, no, supplements don't work. And I'm like, well, maybe you've just been taking the wrong things. Yeah. Well, and even, uh, it, that was kind of awesome about this is talking to some of these, uh, strength conditioning coaches, uh, um, that, that are big in the industry of just like in the professional sports world and have some conversations take place where they're like, yeah, you know, we just want to be able to have a relationship with, somebody that is NSF certified for sport. I mean, the thing is, is the NSF certified for sport is still good for people that, you know, care about whether there's heavy metals and toxins and, and things like that. And it's just, it's probably the only thing you can get if it's not FDA. And so for these athletes, you know, it's just like they, they care, they have to take, like they're limited with what they can put in their body. And now they're starting to crack down on, you know, the enduro cross racers, the motocross racers, the surfers, X game athletes, Olympic, Olympic athletes and skiing and snowboarding. I mean, they're, they're starting to crack down really hard on that to where it's like, okay, they only get a small pool to really even pick a good product. Well, then I start talking to guys that used to work in, you know, other supplement companies. Uh, and I also want to say names on that, but you know, these other supplement companies that, um, you know, and I, these, these ex employees that has left because they, they're the way that their integrity and the things that they do behind closed doors is it doesn't match up to what their their marketing message is, right? So the thing is, is like, it, it really like annoyed me because I, I went to a few expos in the outdoor space uh, within like hunting expos and other, other uh, you know, sports. And, you know, I'm going to these, these, these things and I'm like seeing these guys and I'm like, why, like, it, it seems like they have a nice shirts, nice hats, you know, and they have, you know, the, the women around and, you know, the nice athletes and influencers, but I'm just like, you know, this is all just like some illusion that they're painting. And the thing is, is like, you know, some of these guys will take it and then they'll, they'll end up being like, Hey, I don't really like this. And then you'll see them get torn apart. Luckily, like they got actually torn apart on forums because they start figuring out that they can go to the fitness industry and go find better supplements or then just get bulk. Like what Austin's done because he's used himself as a test subject. So that's, <laughs> you know, he has something to say for himself. Cause I remember you, it looks like you're going into a lab every time you go to his apartment, uh, in college. So, uh, <laughs> But the thing is, is that when it comes down to it is like being able to provide something to these guys that are limited because these strength and conditioning coaches for these professional athletes are like, we just want, we don't want this big conglomerate. We don't want this big, you know, these, these big people because all, all they want is cash. All they want is money. And I feel like you lose some of that, that personal relationship where it's like, you know, it, like it's not, not always being the biggest is the best. That's, that's, that's how I look at it because it just seems like all these guys get really big and then they lose they lose sight of what their integrity and what their morals are when it comes to what, what their why was for, you know, bringing this to, you know, the world. And so my thing is, it's like, you know, I don't care about being the biggest, you know, for this, this supplement company. I, I want to create a brand. I want to create a community and one family out of it, but I don't want to segregate communities. Like I told Austin, I'm like, Hey, you know, I met a lot of people within the bodybuilding industry that, you know, are, you know, not loyal, not loyal much, you know? So it's like, they'll just jump from supplement to supplement to supplement. But then I've also met good guys too. So it's a matter of that. I want to be able to even bridge the gap between the fitness industry with the people that are just sick of it, you know, and where our product isn't just a one shoe that fits all just like a one shoe that fits just one market to where now we have fitness guys um, and people that know their stuff to look at our product and be like, wow, okay. They're not just doing it because they're just taking advantage of people that are in one market and they're saying, Hey, I'm a hunter. So I'm going to be, I'm going to serve a supplement to you because, you know, we support hunting. We're giving back to the conservation or, Hey, we're, we're skiers and we're going to get back to the, the skiing community saying, no, we're going to create a, a legit product where anybody can look at it and that knows their stuff and be like, wow, this is good. They put some time and thought into this. Well, and you nailed it too, is like that um, compromising over the course of time. You know, I, you see it so much in the supplement industry too. And it's like, you see, I, I, you know, you've seen so many companies over the course of years where it's like, um, they, like you said, they start off with really good intentions and then slowly you see like the product starting to get compromised a little bit over time. 
And it's really disheartening to see that, you know what I mean? Like you see the, the, the quality of the products diminish over the course of time. And it's like, so I, I remember I've even, uh, I remember I was telling my brother is like, so I, I, you know, I'll just be honest. Um, I've had the, the biggest offers I've ever gotten from supplement companies are the ones I've turned down <laughs> because um, they were for companies that like, I don't want to like, I would never want to be that guy that has to tell my clients, um, Hey, I'm sponsored by the supplement company, but you know, I don't really like the products. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so it's like, um, you know, it's just, um, yeah, the, the supplement industry is, it, it can be, um, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of analogous to what I would view as the fitness industry as a whole. Uh, I often tell people that um, in fitness, the fitness industry, I have met some of the best people I have ever met in my entire life. Um, because the fitness industry draws people who are um, driven to testing themselves. Um, they appreciate discipline in their own lives. Um, they like pushing their limits and they like being healthier. Um, but the fitness industry, I've also met some of the worst people I've ever met in my entire life um, because it also draws people that are super narcissistic, arrogant, you know, have, uh, have a need, like a need um, to be better than others. And so you've got these two completely different types of individuals being drawn to the same arena. And I kind of see the same thing with supplement companies. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, I think that um, it's just very interesting, honestly, I'm just going to speak from, from a, someone who likes to observe. It's kind of interesting to watch it play out and how, um, I don't know, just how, how everyone interacts because I do think there's a, there's a big split in how supplement companies approach what they do and the products this, what they do, the products that they bring to the market and the people that they are selling to. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to uh, one of my uh, major league baseball guys and yeah, he, he said that authenticity and, you know, living to your own truth and being who you are and, and, and carrying that out into the work you do, it, it really pays dividends later on. And people don't see why somebody is on it. Like, I, I feel like as long as you don't change, like, and be able to cut corners just because you see that like now everything's taking traction. Now you're going to start, you know, trying to, you know, mess around with those margins of products and start to, you know, do a lot of proprietary blends where now nobody really knows, but then maybe underdosed and you don't even, you don't even realize it. So, you know, it just comes down to you of just being authentic and being real. I mean, that's one thing I tell all the guys that are athletes that are very notable in different sports. And I, I say this, I'm like, I'm not going to have you, like the reason why I want to be behind, I want to be behind uh, my own company is that I know that I'm doing the best job possible because I know you guys, I know what you do. I know the, I know how much training you put into in the gym and, you know, just like in your own mental, mental abilities of where you're doing like yoga, you're doing all this other stuff on a psychological level and you're putting a lot of work into it. So the thing is, it's like, I don't want to do anything that's going to, you know, mess with your own performance. I don't want to put anything in your body. And the thing is, is that I could never work for another supplement company because they don't see it the same way I do. They don't feel like, like, Hey, I was that athlete once and I want to make sure that I take care of them. It's not about the money. And so that's a part where it's like, you make the money by doing a good job and serving your people um, and being selfless. And that's the part where I don't want them to want to promote something that they have to like, you know, be like, Oh geez, like I gotta, I gotta tell them to, you know, take this. But yet again, I know that doesn't really work. And, and I did my research on it or whatever. And, and they, it blows back to them. And so I want them to be where they're on that pedestal and, the, and then all their audiences are, are happy with them because they knew that like they trusted them and they actually walked the talk. Like they, they told them, Hey, this is, this works this is work for me. You know, there's not a one shoe that fits all, but if it does for you, like great. And if they buy it and they like it and it ends up working for them, great. You know, that's one thing is I know it's going to work just it, everybody's bodies are different, obviously. So that's the thing is, is where I don't want to ruin, I'm not in a business of ruining relationships and endural sports not. And so that's the part where it's like, they, we know that we're behind our own morals and that we're going to keep it consistent throughout the whole entire, you know, the whole entire game here. I mean, that's you're just not going to stop. And that's the part where like, I was talking to uh, my buddy's number one in the world for enduro cross. And he was saying like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sponsored by an energy drink, you know, and the thing is, is like, it makes it tough because it's, you know, I've seen this with lots of other athletes too, where they're sponsored by Red Bull, Rockstar, Monster, 
And it, it sucks because young, young kids are watching these guys and they're drinking these energy drinks on the podium. And next thing you know, it's just like, you think that it's not going to end up like cigarettes one day, you know what I'm saying? Where cigarettes used to be a main sponsor for the Olympics it used to be sponsors for like, you know, like clinics for like doctors and stuff. And you had doctors smoking cigs right outside when they're taking a break for a commercial. Now that's all gone. Now watch where energy drinks go because they don't want young kids buying this. And the thing is, is like some of these guys are in contracts to where they can't even take something. They can't be with a supplement company because their energy drink company is telling them they can't. And what's wrong with that? There's a lot of things wrong with that. Well, I view the same way with like uh, coaching. So in general, I think I've been pretty critical of the um, bodybuilding coaching industry. And because a lot of times I get people coming to me asking, uh, you know, they want to be a coach. They want to, you know, learn how to coach, but then they get so they get more focused on like, how do I advertise properly? And how do I, essentially it's like, how do they extract, um, like how, how do they extract the most money out of the most amount of people without ever formulating like, am I actually going to help these people like into the equation? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's pretty frustrating. And I, I mean, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's funny cause we're, we, we can probably gripe about our own industries to no end, but I, I guess I would suppose that's how it is with most, I, I would guess that's how it is with most industries. I think it's a matter of like, who's going to bring the most value to their customers and little do people realize like, um, oftentimes if you bring the most value to your clients and customers, then you're going to have that organic growth as opposed to, I think another thing you'll probably notice too, is a lot of times that, um, these, these companies that, um, build up really fast through some more deceptive methods, oftentimes they also leave the public eye more quickly. Um, yeah. not always, but you know, fairly regularly. So I think, uh, you know, yeah, with you, like I, I base a lot of, uh, what you're saying. Um, it even goes back. What has it been now? Cliff, like three, four years. Um, yeah. when I, when you Cliff, for people who are listening, uh, met Cliff by reaching out to probably 50 to 60 different coaches, um, trying to figure out what I was trying to want to do in life. And, um, Cliff was the only one that emailed me back with exactly the message that you're talking about right now is providing quality and doing the best job and being consistent with it and trying to help people and the money will just come, you know, um, and following the passion behind it. And that's what Laj and I are doing with this company is following that passion behind it and really helping, you know, and, and we'll get to learn more later off the podcast, you know, Laj's story about going through and, um, being a really, really great athlete in these different spaces and his story behind the whole company and kind of combining together with me and obviously having your help, um, providing value in the health space. But I think that a lot of times companies like you're saying have these deceptive methods, they leave the public eye. But if anybody ever comes to me and say, Hey, how do I gain more clients or how do I this, that, and the other thing. And the first thing I always go to is, well, are you providing enough value for your current clients? Or are you doing a good job? Because, Cliff, you know, well as anybody, like you have no marketing system for how many years? <laughs> you're, you're I asked Cliff the other day, I was like, Hey, have you ever ran like a Facebook ad or you know what all that is? And you're like, no, no. <laughs> no. And, um, and Cliff's the top dog in the industry. So it's just amazing. Um, you know, people trying to make money off of people, but at the end of the day, I think the, the true genuine companies that have been around for a, a while and do the best job and are on top usually uh in your case is the the person that spends the most time just trying to give the most value you know look laws you should know that my lack of marketing knowledge astonishes Austin sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well to even touch on that cliff is uh you know and, and the last couple things is that I always say is you can, you can get rid of social media tomorrow and I'll still, I'll still thrive. You know, I'll thrive is to be relationship driven and to have face to face handshake to handshake, eye to eye, uh, you know, uh, personal relationship. And so that's the thing is that for me, it's like, I, 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 that has been like just total lost now. It's like, everything is just revolved around, you know, social media marketing. And that's great. Like it's good, still good to know how to do the Facebook ads and do all this stuff. But the thing is, is like, I can already see with you, Cliff, from how Austin, there's a lot of people probably just as much as what Austin's saying is that you made an impact on them on just a personal standpoint. And it didn't have to be just you, you know, posting all this stuff, having, 
you know, hundreds of thousands of followers or a million followers and, and, you know, being that guy to where you just, you, you leave an imprint on these guys, um, you know, on a personal relationship standpoint. And that, well, that pays dividends later on just by being who you are and being a good person and, and being really knowledgeable and having the experience and actually caring about them. Yeah. You know, I, I told Austin this, but like, I actually had a full client roster. Now, two, I think Instagram didn't come around until like 2013, but um, a lot of people were using Facebook when I first started coaching and I didn't even have a Facebook page. I had a full client roster simply because I would give my client a t-shirt with my website on it. Um, and then I was just like, if my clients look really good, people are going to want to know what they're doing. They'll read their shirt. And um, I ended up able to leave my job at the time and do this full time with a full client roster just because of that. Um, I was just like, word of mouth will do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and um, you know, I, I do think people become like, of course, social media is an awesome tool, but I think that people have lost that, like you said, lost that ability to do something a little bit more grassroots. Well, and they learn ways to be deceptive with it. I mean, there's just so much out there that is just illusion. I mean, you go to metropolitan areas, I mean, not even just in fitness or health or, bodybuilding or other sports or whatever, even success as being an entrepreneur. I mean, there's just so many things out there that young people are consuming and they think that this is reality and it's really not. It's just like, you know, let me, let me follow you home. Let me see what you do and let's see if you really can walk the talk. You know, and that's one thing is where it's, it's like, unless I know when I can walk, walk, you know, to your house, which sounds kind of creepy, but all I'm saying is that <laughs> uh, to really see who you really are. I mean, that, those are things where I pride myself on, Austin prides himself on, you know, the guys within Enduro Sport and the people around us that we choose to have in our circle. And, and I assume the same thing for you is that, you know, you are the same person behind closed doors as you are out in public. And that's, that's, a, that's something that is a gift. It's something that you can definitely hone down on and you can own it. And that's something that not everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, speaking on that, it, it's very interesting to me. Oftentimes when I go to like these fitness events and I see these um, uh, people that, you know, have big social media followings and they have like, um, like really polished social media accounts, and then I meet them in person, and they have like no personality. Um, <laughs> I was like, like, "What is going on here?" It's almost like they're actors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly, it's good work for it. Yeah, yeah, this is it's pretty funny. Yeah. So, uh, just so in closing to the podcast, uh, Cliff, what's your uh, what's your advice to the people that are listening? They're wanting to reach their highest potential in their health performance, uh, whether it's in their lifestyle or their sport. Um, it's going to sound like really boring advice, but I would say also be patient. Um, driven athletes always want everything now and I can relate to that. Um, but, um, I often hear competitors in every sport say they will do what it takes, whatever it takes to win and to be their best. Um, but oftentimes when they say that, I think they don't really mean they'll do whatever it takes because oftentimes what it takes is like putting in the time and then waiting for it to happen. <laughs> so um, I think that sometimes having patience is going to be the number one thing um, because if you're working as hard as you can, it's all you can do. And then you just need to let time build up and allow you the improvements to accumulate. Yeah. I love that. Um, so for the people that are, uh, that don't follow you, where can they find you on social media? Um, yeah, they can find me on Facebook, of course, uh, just search my name, um, on Instagram, it's, uh, CW team Wilson, and they can go to my website, teamwilsonbb.com. Awesome. And then, uh, Austin told me that you have a, a book or two out too. Yes. Yeah. I have a, I have a bodybuilding book. It's, it's just, um, I, I wrote it with a co-author, um, one of my clients and good friends, uh, Dr. Peter Fitchin, uh, it's called bodybuilding, the complete contest preparation handbook. Um, you can pretty much walks you through everything you need to know to get ready for a bodybuilding show and what we do for it. Um, and it's actually uh, used for continuing ed education credits through the International Society of Sports Nutrition as well. Nice. Um, yeah, and I, I am uh, slowly working on a second book. It's, it's coming. <laughs> um, this one's going to be more of, uh, it's, it's not, uh, it's not, um, a bodybuilding book, it's actually going to be a mentality book that people of all, all sports can use. Yeah, that would be helpful. I'll definitely have to read that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, I, I, 
I keep telling my girlfriend, I think people are either going to love this one or they're going to hate it because it's not like your typical, it's not your typical like rah, rah, you can do it. You know what I mean? Mentality yeah. book. Like I, um, it's more of an analytical approach to how to become the mentally tough person that you want to be. Um, sometimes people don't really like that analytical approach. They want the emotional approach. Yeah, but, but, yeah. And you look at it. I say this all the time. Motivation is a killer to, to all. And when, how I say that is like, you know, everybody in, I'll say this before we get off is, yeah, they talk about, you know, all these influential influence, like influencers out here that start talking about motivation and stuff like that. I, I actually get more irritated by that. Now, if I read a book, so I'm a big book reader. So I like the analytical approach now to where it's kind of like, Hey, you know, these type of things to where it's, it's more where it's not just some motivational book to where eventually, you know, by tomorrow it dies off or by next week it dies off. And then you're back to square one again and knowing that you have to create habits. And when you create those habits, you, it almost, I just tell my fiance this too. And, and this part where you don't even know, and I tell her more about positive thinking. And the thing is, is that the more that I, more that you do it and the more that you just like, if you're a good person, uh, and you do good things for people and you keep doing it for uh, like for a long time, a long period of time, you, it starts to become second nature. The same thing goes with mentality. This is like the way that you train yourself. It's like even in the gym where you press yourself and you're like, okay, if I do this and I, and I continue to keep doing it as a regime, it becomes second nature habit. And that's the part where people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear like the, the things that, you know, like they don't want to tell you the failures or the things that can happen or whatever. And so more where you're just being straight to the point, it's not the sexiest, but it's honestly the best. And people need to, they need to, they need to hear it. Not they, it's not about what they want to hear. It's about what they need to hear at the end of the day. So I love that. I love how you're yeah. The book. Yeah. Yeah. Th this one's going to be um, interesting too, because I actually tie together um, like, of course, like I do with most things, I tie together what the research says along with my own experiences and thoughts, but I kind of tie together certain concepts from um, psychology, economics, and philosophy, because they really kind of have carryover. I think there are certain, um, I think there are certain truths that apply to many different um, areas of study. And so um, it's kind of funny, even like in the motivation chapter that I have, because it's, it's not just a purely motivation book, but there's a motivation chapter and other, I have like, I have graphs in the motivation chapter where you could almost like plot how motivated you'd be to do something. <laughs> and so um, it's, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, like I said, I, I'm I, at the end of the day, um, I know it's what I, what works for my clients. A lot of times I instill this stuff in my clients without them knowing I'm doing it. Um, so now actually I'm just sitting down and writing the book of what I do with my clients essentially without them even realizing I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, that helps too, even in the, in the real world. I mean, it doesn't matter. That's why I always say to all the athletes, I'm like, you don't, the discipline that you're learning and the, the mentality you have, you can be able to translate that into the real world and business. And that's part of where, what you're learning now is not just, it's not just about you just, you know, bodybuilding. It's not just about you, uh, you know, playing baseball. It's not about you playing football. It's like the mentality that you're, you're building right now is going to help you throughout all your life with everything else that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on the show cliff and it's uh, been a real pleasure just having you on. And uh, like I said, I mean, Austin spoke highly of you and I know that, you know, you, you've been a very big influence on him and honestly it's been kind of translating through him to me where you've had influence on me and I haven't even got to meet you till now. So it's been a real <laughs> oh, I really, I really appreciate that guys. Yeah. So, um, so we'll talk soon and uh, we'll probably end up doing another podcast, um, later on. Cause I, I know that we could probably be talking for about three hours. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any, anytime I really, I seriously, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been, it's been good. And I, I, I like just being able to sit down and just see where the conversation leads us. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate everything. And, uh, we'll talk soon and keep in contact. Cool. Awesome. Thanks guys. Sounds good. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Neurosport Podcast. We look forward to bringing you more successful professionals on the show to get to know their story and bring inspiration to you and to crush your goals for yourself. Be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms so you can stay updated on all things in Neurosport. Now go level up.